What is going on ladies and gentlemen, uh, Macabre Master Crew here, and we wanted to give you a short disclaimer about the content of this podcast. We have a lot of things that we talk about that are sensitive topics, um, and so we want to make sure that everybody out there is making sure that they're listening when they're in a good headspace, uh, and that they understand that um, we don't want any of these things to trigger you or upset you, and so we want you to know that there are going to be sensitive topics, um, and please feel free to shut off um, and turn uh, us down if you are in a place where you maybe aren't comfortable with some of the things that we're talking about. In this episode and other episodes of Macabre Masters, you will hear mentions of suicide, self-harm, blood, gore, murder, horror. Uh, There's just a lot of things that you might hear. So please make sure to look out for yourself, protect yourself, protect your mental health, and know that we won't think less of you if any of the subjects in this podcast are, uh, you know, something that isn't good for your mental health. Uh, Last of all, we love you. We hope you're having an excellent day. And for those who want to stick around, enjoy the podcast. Masters, uh, I am Original Nick, and today I am joined, as always, by Pope and our friend and new host, Elizabeth. I'm going to keep saying it, new host, until, Hi. I don't know, five episodes in. <laughs> um, first Is of there all, a limit uh, on these things? Hmm? Can I just be the new kid Nothing. forever? Oh. Fine. I'm good with that. It makes me sound yeah. interesting. The, okay. <laughs> <laughs> every episode they're like man elizabeth is new every single episode well how are you both doing today or tonight you know we're vertical and above ground <laughs> not pushing up daisies so it's a good start to the day i actually really like daisies so any day i'm not pushing them up is actually kind of depressing um <laughs> besides that uh nick um i'm batman <laughs> and with what, that no, that I'm is batman. a great segue oh oh <laughs> oh well we're batman I'm the Riddler, so. <laughs> you are, So though. we are, of course, talking about the new Batman that came out in 2022, where I, if you've seen any of the older episodes um, on YouTube, I look shockingly like the new Riddler. <laughs> um, kind so, of I still disagree with that. <laughs> I disagree. Uh, no, I, I disagree. think it looks all right. That's okay. <laughs> I, st- I still think you are, I still think that guy wishes he looked like you, Nick, to be honest with you. Um, although once again, as I said in the chat, like I'm not downing him. His performance of the Riddler was probably the most interesting that you could possibly mm-hmm. make that character. Um, he did a really great job in the Batman, but uh, in the looks department, <laughs> in my humble opinion, in my humble opinion, uh, but please, Nick, continue. Well, um, as you could probably guess, since we said uh, the Riddler and we are Batman, we are talking about the 2022 adaptation of the Batman um, with Robert Pattinson as uh, the Dark Knight this time. I guess the first question that I have is, what did you both think about Robert Pattinson as uh, Bruce Wayne slash Batman in this uh, 
this take of him. He didn't sparkle, so it doesn't count. <laughs> oh, Jesus, fuck. Okay, so, like, I'm going to ignore that. I honestly think that he did a great job for portraying this naive, bumbling, year-two-level, like, mm. Batman. I think Pattinson blew it out of the fucking water. Really. Like, honestly. Like, I, he did way mm. better than I expected. Mm -hmm. But, to be fair, like, Zoe Kravitz stole the whole fucking movie. Like, she took over and blew it away. Yeah. She... It, it might have... They should have just called it the Catwoman movie. Honestly. Like... <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, there's probably a good reason they didn't. Um, you having to do with previous films <laughs> that have happened in history yeah. at certain points with actresses named Halle Berry. Um, <laughs> no, so uh, yeah. Twilight jokes aside, um, I've also never seen Twilight, but Twilight jokes aside, uh, as far as you know, um. <laughs> Uh, I, I think, so the thing about it is, is when I first heard about Pattinson getting cast as mm -hmm. Batman, um, I was skeptical, but I was, um, there's two things that happened. The first one is, um, that, uh, I remembered what happened with Heath Ledger when he got cast as the Joker. I was hating. I, I'm not going to lie. Like a lot of people, I'm sure in hindsight, they're like, dude, I thought it was going to be the greatest thing ever. People were hating and I was hating right along with them. And I saw the dark Knight, and I was like, okay, foot meat mouth okay sure. like this motherfucker blew it out of the water so i was skeptical but i was like dude like they're they didn't cast him for no reason every batman casting has had its um reason that makes <laughs> sense you know what i mean like there's never been a horrible batman casting in my opinion in the movies um and then um the uh the second thing was the lighthouse the lighthouse when i saw the lighthouse it was like okay, this dude, like, actually, like, he has chops. Like, he's known for, like, the Twilight, and he's known for being Cedric Diggory and Harry Potter, but, like, he has mad fucking chops. And it and for all our people out there listening in podcast land, if you've never seen The Lighthouse, uh, it's, Will, it's Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Uh, go watch it. It's fabulous. Um, very creepy, too. So, anyway, uh, long story short, I, uh, I thought he did amazing. Um, I agree with um, Elizabeth on him doing really well at doing kind of the the awkward early Batman. Like, you know, like you see in the movie, like it's subtle, but you see it like he actually gets hit, you know, mm -hmm. a few times. Yeah. Like Batman, you don't really see him get hit all that often. Like people don't land a lot of hits. And the suit um, was really low hit, tech. He's clumsy. Like there was a lot of other stuff too. Yes. Where like they, he was tech. actually, it was like watching Spider Man make his own suit, right? Like that's how I felt watching the Pattinson Batman because he did have this like sort of raw. This isn't super high tech. We don't see Fox. We don't have any of that advancement. And I think that he actually had to do things himself right like he had to figure stuff out and i think yeah. he portrayed that really well no i think that is my favorite aspect of the whole movie itself was uh at first i had only seen the the four batman movies before with tim burton and george clooney and all them with bat nipples and weird plastic lips on robin kissing poison ivy really weird stuff um but then I watched, uh, I actually have never, I've still never seen Batman Begins. I've only seen Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. I don't know why I've never watched <laughs> Batman Begins. Um, but I thought Christian Bale uh, was the most accurate portrayal of um, maybe the comic books uh, for a time. But now I think that it's it's Robert Pattinson because he actually does detective work with his own eyes because it, in the Christian Bale version, he has like that high tech machine gun that like 
blasts holes into the wall and he drills it out and then 3D prints the thing. Whereas I still don't understand how that worked. I, I have I mean, no that idea. Was, like, Reconstructs the bullet. That was so hand guys. <laughs> it was so hand wavy. Yeah. It was like it was like Alfred's like it's gonna do this and he's like yeah yeah science stuff I get it you know what I mean like that's essentially like for the audience like it's yeah. science guys you're too stupid to yeah. understand this and I'm like I've seen that movie like thirty times and I still have no idea how no. shooting a separate weapon into a separate wall is supposed to prove anything <laughs> like, like what the fuck man mm-hmm. um but yeah so uh, i'm with you sorry to cut you off but no, that's fine there's that and then i also do love how this bruce wayne is kind of broken you know the death of his family didn't make him a douchebag well it did but not the rich playboy douchebag he's kind of a i don't want to talk to you all kind of uh kind of kid and I, I like him he he seems like he's not 30 yet he hasn't really found himself as batman I mean, that's the whole purpose of the movie but he hasn't really found himself yet as batman and he's kind of just messing around and being a 20 year old spending all of his money instead of keeping up his family name and all that everyone's like does bruce wayne gonna show up and he's like nope (laughs) get dressed people are coming to see you i don't want to see them sort of thing whereas christian bale was like hmm i'm bruce wayne yeah i like being batman you know I just like, I like his portrayal of this. He's not emo. People keep saying he's emo and he keeps the makeup on. And like, that's probably the most accurate thing is keeping the makeup on. If you've ever noticed, um, all the Batman take their mask off, but let the cowl off, but they never leave the makeup on, even though they all wear makeup. I don't know. It, to me, it's just the most accurate portrayal. What did you think of, well, we, we know how everyone feels about Zoe Kravitz, but what about uh, James Gordon and all them? Because I thought the casting was really, pretty really good. Yeah, honestly, say the casting so casting, yeah. <laughs> I I do want to back up a little bit though. Sure. I do really want to back up uh, and actually talk about something that you said because I actually have to disagree with you. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I know it doesn't happen often, but I do have to do it. So the thing is, is that yeah, okay, it's easy to like say okay, he's emo. He's like Gerard Way Batman. You know what I mean? Because he wears eye makeup, mm. but the reason he's wearing eye makeup is to black out his eyes. It makes complete sense. Well, you know, um, the thing the thing is, is that Christian Bell, first of all, he didn't, he wasn't into the whole Bruce Wayne aspect, and Morgan Freeman mm. had to bother him often about it. Christian Bell just was better at acting like he wanted to be Bruce Wayne. Okay, and the reason was because he was older and had more experience doing it. Robert Pattinson represents the early years where Batman was fucking obsessed and like. Nothing could turn, and he always stayed that way, but he just learned to tone it down a little bit in later years. Like a lot of us, like when I was a teenager, I wanted to learn how to play guitar, and so I spent all of my time freaking sitting around playing guitar. He's like that, like he's obsessed, and he's a young guy, he has the energy, you know, he's incredibly intelligent, and so. He's like he's like being Bruce Wayne is like a waste of my time. Like worrying about Wayne Tech is a waste of my time. Like I've got this project, the Gotham project, and that's all that fucking matters and that's all I'm going to focus on. And I think he embodied that really well. Um uh Beth, did you want to say something? So, okay, like I look at it like this. Michael Keaton's Batman was a great Batman, but a horrible Bruce Wayne. Like, he was not the greatest Bruce Wayne. Like, if you think of the billionaire Playboy, right? And then um, we won't go into, like, the other Batmans necessarily, like Val Kilmer and George Clooney, because they 
aren't as important. Let's be honest. Nobody really cares about those Batmans most of the time, which sucks. I have, but I have a note on those when you're done. Sure. Sure. So Christian Bale was a, a great Bruce Wayne, but he really wasn't as convincing of a Batman for me. Um, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck was a great old man Batman. Like, I really want to see the Batfleck as mm. Batman Beyond, right? Like, I really, really want to see him as this old Ooh. kind of spends half his time in a wheelchair because he is now incapable of, like, doing all of the Batman things that he used to do for so long. I think that that is where Ben Affleck would shine. I think that Pattinson did a really great job being this raw idea of Batman. Like, he still doesn't know what Batman looks like for him yet. That's part of the transition that we see in this movie, like, being I'm the ve- I'm vengeance. Like, that idea and how that transitions later to a different idea of what Batman is supposed to be for him as a result of the decisions he makes being this Batman now. Like, he realizes he doesn't want to be vengeance by the end of the movie. He wants justice. He wants to see people actually held accountable, but not for the sake of vengeance, for the sake of it being the right thing to do. And that is something that Pattinson really portrayed excellently that I don't think previous incarnations of Batman that we've seen as well, with the exception of like maybe Kevin Conroy, like if we want to get into the animateds and stuff like that, you know? Well, Kevin Conroy is (laughs) the ultimate fucking Batman as far as I'm concerned. Agreed. Agreed. The ultimate he is. Kevin Conroy is is and always will be Batman as far as I'm concerned. But um, I do actually want to comment on the Schumacher films. So Batman Forever and uh, Batman and Robin were directed by Joel Schumacher, who uh, may he rest in peace. He is now dead. Um, so you brought up earlier, Nick, you brought up Bat Nipples. Yeah. And I think if you don't know, maybe you do know, but Joel Schumacher was gay. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, uh George Clooney actually he played Batman when he did it in Batman and Robin he played Bruce Wayne as gay like oh, it, the 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 okay. whole mo- those movies were there was a layer of homoerotica on them um which is actually very interesting and the reason is in the context of usually uh even in modern day superheroes when you see them they're mostly kind of focused on the male gaze you know you mm-hmm. see like Scarlett Johansson and stuff like that but that one was, uh, the, it was kind of like there was an indirect male on male gaze. Okay. And that's why there was a lot of accentuation on the outfits on that aspect. And so, yes, those movies are campy. Yes, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's puns, you know, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age! You know, it's like stupid. Uh, bat uh, bat ice, uh, ice skating, you know, like they clap them together and there's ice skating um, things. But. Um, if you go back and rewatch those movies, first of all, they're not that bad. Uh, well, okay, Batman hold on. Isn't. Batman and Robin's pretty terrible. <laughs> Between the two, Forever was better. Forever was absolute better. No questions asked there. No questions, one hundred percent asked. Forever was actually really solid. Jim Carrey as the Riddler was mm. just fabulous. Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face, which oh, I honestly yeah. think Keith Ledger ripped off Tommy Lee Jones a lot in his portrayal of the Joker. Because hmm. if you go back and watch Tommy Lee Jones' Two-Face, a lot of the same mannerisms. Um, but just go back and watch it and realize in that context that you're dealing with a director who is, um, who is okay. gay. And so a lot of that kind of imagery is kind of like seen through that gaze. And if you, if you take it on those terms, you'll probably enjoy it a lot more. Okay. Except for the second one, Batman and Robin, which is just... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Schumacher, it's bad. I have no. one note. Um, I've Heath only Ledger... watched him as a child, so I never knew. 
Uh, Heath Ledger actually came out and said he based a lot of the Joker and his um, demeanor and, and cadence and performance on Tom Waits, actually, the musician. So if you haven't yes. like gone and back and looked at that, yeah. Waits and it made sense, but... yeah, it does. It really, really does. Um, so I want to ask you guys, and, and uh, I don't want to like divert too much, but do you think that this movie, The Batman with Robert Pattinson, is a horror movie? Because there's a lot of um, commentary and articles that have come out, like actually saying that it is a horror movie. It's not just your typical comic book movie. So what do you guys think about that? Yes. It's a horror yes. movie. And I'll explain why in a second, but I want Nick to say his thing. Sure. I absolutely think so. And I that's why we brought it up on Macabre Masters, I believe, is because just the way – okay, so the way the Riddler is, I think for me, the thing that makes it scary to me is how realistic the Riddler is. Um, you know, when you go to um, Ben Ben Affleck's Batman – when they start getting into the Justice League type stuff and you have interdimensional beings with Doomsday and whatever he is, I don't know. I never watched... I watched Superman, Batman v Superman one time and you get superheroes with superpowers. Um, it's kind of... It kind of takes Batman away. I don't really... Okay, so spoiler alert, I'm not a huge Batman fan and I'm sure you could probably tell by the way I talk about him, but... So I never was a huge Batman fan. This is the Get first. off my podcast. <laughs> okay, look, I was in the Moon Knight first, and Moon Knight is basically Batman. I like Moon Knight before he's popular. Now he's got his own show. Um, Which but, is good. So, totally worth checking out. Uh, but yeah, something about the Riddler being a realistic... Take that as a no. <laughs> uh, the Riddler being a, a realistic killer, and... The way he does things, it's not supernatural. It's not, he's not lurking in the shadows. He doesn't have um, any, I don't know, like scarecrows, his chemicals. He doesn't have any weapons or anything. It's it's a guy with glasses and swoopy hair and saran wrap and a winter battle mask. And he's killing these people. And it's always at night. I noticed most of the movies at night until, what, like the very end of the movie where it's dawn. Um and it's not like Dark Knight Rises where it goes from New Jersey to New York all of a sudden <laughs> and based on looks. Um, it's all New Jersey all the time. Sorry, New Jersey, the state. I just hear it's really dirty up there. I've never been up there. Um, but so you hear right. <laughs> um, I don't know. Something about his portrayal. The Riddler is what made it horror for me. And um, the discovery of. Body parts, you know, thumb drive, the joke, um, the the visceralness of the movie itself. I don't think we've had a more visceral Batman other than the cartoons, maybe. I just watched, uh, in preparation, I watched uh, Gotham by Gaslight, and there's there's a lot of blood and uh, light gore in there. That's not really gory. I've also seen, what's that other one that I said I watched? Uh, Under the Red Hood, which was bloody and violent as well, where a creepy crowbar scene. Um, and I don't think we've seen that really too much in the movies yet. So I think those could be considered light horror, maybe just violent. But this one, to me, something about the way the Riddler is. Uh, basically, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> the Riddler made it really. So, <laughs> so here's the deal. Um, it depends on how you define horror. But so I think it's really diminutive, right, to say, um, and it's not that anybody here said it, it's just, I think like assuming that like horror is going to be supernatural or it's going to be gore. Um, I think that that's maybe not the right approach. Horror is something that scares you. 
And so if there's two things that are scary as shit in our modern world, it's natural disasters or uh, natural or disasters that are helped along by humans that become natural disasters, such as maybe global warming or a flood. And then um, the second thing is domestic terrorism. Okay. And so I will tell you that the part where you had all those mass dudes up in the top, and it should be obvious, the spoilers, um, when you had, um, I'm going to say that every podcast, um, when you have all those guys in the mass up there just like shooting at people, True, yeah. um, it's very reminiscent of real life stuff that has happened. Even it's reminiscent of what happened in Aurora, Colorado during a filming, like the like during a watching of a Batman movie. That touches me really and, personally, um, actually, because I was like mm-hmm. two miles away. And if I'd gotten my paycheck earlier that night, I would have been in that theater with my children, like because I grew up in Aurora my whole life. And so that was a huge thing for me. And it touched the community really massively, actually. And it was horrific. Like people really took it that way. So that's a good thing to note, too, in that it has an effect on people's psychological um the way they perceive batman now as a whole if that makes sense at least in certain circles anyway and yeah and so like it's like if you think about things that scare people these days like a lot of that kind of stuff like you think about like the aurora colorado you think about the insurrection on january 6th you think about things like that um that is scary and if the idea of horror is to scare you Mm -hmm. i will tell you um also like um i will tell you during that part i found that part physically uncomfortable um and the reason is because uh that's something that is really even as an ex-military guy an active shooter much less a lot of active shooters is just utterly terrifying you think about columbine Mm -hmm. like the situation with Columbine, like like dudes just walking into a school and just capping everybody they saw, like that is just it's unbelievable. There's no ghost in the entire universe that's as scary as that, in my opinion. And um, and so by that, it is horror. And so then there's other tropes and everything else that they do that make it more scary. And so um, you know that element works as well within the genre but really i think it's just really 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 freaking realistic Mm -hmm. um playing off of some of the stuff that's happened in real life type horror and i think it's done really well i've never seen i haven't seen anybody get mad and say oh well this is a representation of domestic terrorism um but i mean that is what it is and um i think it took a pretty good view of it although interestingly it was almost sympathetic in a lot of ways to the riddler yeah and like his kind of mission and what he was trying to accomplish it was obvious that he was a sick person that needed attention and social media provided that attention and he kind of went off the deep end with the social media and started recruiting and um but it all roots back to him being just a very small person inside and i i do think it was a little bit sympathetic to him, which is not, you know, crazy. You know what I mean? Like, you know, mm-hmm. well, Elizabeth, what do you think? I do. I think that there's a point at the end of the movie and I can't remember the exact quote. I've seen it like six or seven times now. Cause um, we were watching justice is great to fall asleep at night for like the last year. And now I'm watching the Batman every night to fall asleep. Um, So I've seen it a bunch now, but there's this one part at the end um, where the Riddler is explaining himself to Bruce Wayne 
And he, it was an equalizing moment. You could have ended up in my shoes is basically what he's telling him, you know? And that is another thing that I think really gives it a scary point, right? Is that Bruce Wayne had these advantages that other orphan children didn't have. And that's the only reason why he's in a different position now than the Riddler is. Otherwise, they had a very similar kind of a, a history and story to come from. And I think that's a part of the movie that makes it darker or scarier and more horror is that we actually see that the hero is could have been just as vulnerable as any of the rest of the villains at that point. And that was part of what added to that darker sort of vibe that went with the whole movie. Can we, uh, can we take a second to recognize how incredibly fucking savage Catwoman is Selena Kyle. Yeah. When she's talking to Batman and she's like, she's like, you grew up rich. (laughs) <laughs> like, I was like, oh, shit, she just pegged this yeah. dude, like, straight up. It reminded me and of it's that true. scene like, in Deadpool uh, it, where they were joking back and forth, and she was like, you had a house? That's totally all I thought of, that entire scene, actually, which was not <laughs> fair, but it totally was. It was It was interesting because it was acknowledging, um, it was... It was acknowledging his privilege, you know what I mean? And uh, that's something you don't see that often in in comic book movies. I think mostly because they're trying to appeal to the widest audience ever. And every time you even talk about privilege, like, you know, you have a group of people who will not be named here who are just like, SJW pushing the agenda. And um, that's and so I I thought it was really awesome of them to put it in there, like that this person who came from a non-privileged background. No, Bruce Wayne obviously... Wasn't completely privileged, but she didn't know he was Bruce Wayne, you yeah. know, who his parents got fucking gunned down, you know. Um, but to kind of acknowledge it, you know what I mean? Um, and then him not to even fight it, like him just kind of like, you know, like, but I mean, he, I honestly, within an hour of the movie, I told, I told Tatiana she watched it with me. I was like, Robert Pattinson's like entire script just says stare menacingly. <laughs> like, honestly, just like. Well, and they made fun of it. Like, in Zack Snyder's Batman with Ben Affleck, like, in the Justice League, they make fun of how rich Batman is. They're like, how'd you get the house back? And he's like, I bought the bank. You know what I mean? He's like, what's your superpower? I'm really rich. They actually make fun of that, sort of, and and use it as satire for for Batman's abilities in the Justice League movies. And so Zack Snyder took a whole different approach, which is one of the things that I think makes Pattinson's Batman sort of stand out, is like, he doesn't know, really, or realize how privileged he is because of how lost in his own depression and vengeance and psychosis and mission on, like, how to, to, to... make things better and make the world a better place from his perspective you know he takes a much darker approach to like instead Mm -hmm. of using his money and all of this privilege he goes to actual like hand-on-hand combat he's like no i'm just gonna go get lost in this like sort of anger you know like a lot of young people do really like and it sort of has a coming of age vibe to it by the end of the movie that we see where he's kind of starting to realize what advantages he has because of the way the Riddler positioned everything to him that he maybe didn't realize he had before. And I don't think they show that so much in other movies either, which made it a little bit darker. Um, One thing that's interesting is I was actually reading uh, Batman and um, Batman and philosophy, right? Which uh, Dark Knight of the Soul, which is a great book. Um, And one thing they acknowledge in the book is that, um, is that Batman he has incalculable wealth. I mean, he's just rich. He's richer than God. And um, although, I don't know, the Vatican's worth, like, seriously, like, five billion or some shit. Like, it's it's ridiculous how much the Vatican's worth. It's from taking from all the people that they, you know, 
deemed heretics in the Middle Ages, but that's a story for uh, Lorecast. Anyway, um, so but the thing is, is that um, they said they said he has all this money, but he takes no luxuries for himself other than uh, a butler. And uh, but beside but that's Alfred was in the family long before he was even born. But besides that, you really notice that Batman, unless he's like posing like as you know Bruce Wayne, the the dit the dumb headed you know kind of social guy, he really doesn't live in the lap of luxury. Like he's too busy out there like beating up on criminals. Um, and so that's an interesting. It's an interesting point. Um, speaking of Alfred. You guys notice how contentious their relationship was in the new movie? Because usually they're like they're kind of like funny and they got kind of like yeah. a funny thing going, but fucking they were like they were like kind of button heads. I was like, what? I really like, like the okay, way they they're giving Alfred's? Alfred more background in the last like decade or so. Yeah. So like in the show Gotham, Alfred had a real history and a real story, and he like really truly loved Bruce Wayne as a small boy, and we got to see that right, and then. Um, you know, we see uh, there's the new Pennyworth show, which I've only watched a few episodes of, and Alfred's got his whole backstory and history there, too. In this, it's like Alfred is annoyed with his kid that sleeps all day and fights crime all night. Get up and eat breakfast. Do something with yourself. Like, what are you doing? That's kind of the vibe I got from it, which is really understandable if you look at it from that perspective of what age Batman this is. Like, Alfred does love Bruce Wayne and care for him, you know, if you go through and look at other canon and such. So, that being said i don't blame him for having that sort of uh snippiness like it just made sense i thought and really gave alfred more of a personhood he wasn't just there as a side character he wasn't just there as a supporting character but actually kind of had his own stake in the game so to speak mm -hmm. i'm also a big fan of the portrayal by andy circus i like andy circus as an actor um uh, been watching him for a very long time if you ever watched lord of the rings that's Gollum schmeagel um absolutely fantastic in um avengers i don't know i don't know if everyone here is a, a big marvel fan but i i think what i like most about him is he's not just there to spout off exposition or give off um like words of wisdom like i like michael kane he's you know master wine but that's all he was to me was this guy who had a metaphor for everything you know the rubies in wherever they were <laughs> this was a guy who's the tangerine like, was as big as a tangerine yeah it's like <laughs> <laughs> and you know i i don't know and then i watched uh gotham it by, was burma, by the way burma it was burma yeah yeah <laughs> and i watched gotham by gaslight and he's like giving these teenagers money to go steal for him or whatever and i was like okay this alfred doesn't have anything but i don't know this alfred was to me, really wholesome and down to earth as like a father figure who's like really tired of his stinky ass kid. Just get up and <laughs> as someone who was the lazy teenager, like super ultra mega lazy, like didn't have a job first year out of high school playing Xbox 360 24 hours a day. Like I got the, those looks from my parents quite often. Uh, <laughs> so uh, and I think it it really did. Um, I think they finally put him in. I don't know if they've done it in other movies, but they put him in harm's way. You know, Alfred always seemed like this untouchable kind of guy. I don't remember if he was in Batman v Superman, if he got hurt at all, but they like, he got hurt. And then Bruce was like, oh shit. Okay. Maybe I need to pay attention now. I don't know. That's what I got from it anyway. From him. It happens occasionally. 
Alfred, mm-hmm. Alfred occasionally gets somebody coming after him. Although Alfred, Alfred gets the easy end of the stick. The the bad end of the stick is 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 still, uh, you know, Jason Todd. Jason or, Todd. Um, or yeah, yeah, way yeah. totally. I don't think anybody can argue that too. Like if you read the comic books or have seen any of the animated movies and stuff, nobody can argue that Jason Todd got the worst end of the stick all the way around. It's uh, it's it's really actually interesting how they approach that in uh the video game Arkham Knight, um, with Jason Todd. Like it was um. I don't know. I know Nick hasn't play, really played Arkham Knight. Elizabeth, have you played Arkham Knight, the video game? I haven't played that one. I've played the first one and a half of the series. Good deal. So in Arkham Knight, um, spoiler alert, uh, the Arkham Knight <laughs> is Jason Todd. <clears throat> and so what they do is they actually depict, like, they have scenes where Batman, I guess, is like, um, maybe he got fear gassed or something like that. I don't really remember. But um, he uh, they show... They show the Joker like they show like your third person watching as these things happen to Jason Todd. And obviously they cut off at a certain point. They flinch away from it because, you know, you don't you know, are you really playing a video game to watch somebody get beat to death? You know what I mean? But it's well, I don't know, because like really, honestly, that happens all the times in video games. Batman (laughs) spends the whole video game kicking people's asses like um, but but for some reason they do. Do you play like Injustice? Oh, I love Injustice. I have both of them. Okay, so do you play Injustice to watch the cool special moves and watch people get beat to death? I do. I like the Ninja Turtle one where you beat him down with the skateboard. It's fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> the Ninja Turtles were cool. Starfire was cool. Wonder Woman was cool. And I like both incarnations of the game, too. Injustice 1 was really good, too. Although Injustice 2 had some better like graphics and like a ex- more expansive character list. Like I really loved being able to play as Zatanna. In the first game, like that was really cool. They were good games, but to like make your point, that's exactly why you play those games is for that reason. You know what I really liked about Injustice Two, actually, hmm. it's it seems seem so freaking weird. But so, um, Harley Quinn. So Harley Quinn in like basically all Batman medium is presented as this like uh, ultra, just like ultra. She's like impossibly hot, like fucking crazy woman, right? And in, in all the media, and I get it, but I thought in Injustice 2, what I loved about Harley Quinn's design, if any of you guys actually go and play that game, she play the campaign or play as Harley Quinn, she looks like a real woman. Like, she's still beautiful, but she looks like an actual human that probably actually would exist in real life. Whereas if you play Arkham City, Harley Quinn in that is a complete and total fabrication like people just don't look like that in real life um or maybe i'm just hanging out in the wrong yeah. bars um but i loved it i thought it was wonderful i was like oh my gosh she looks and she was uh she was uh really attached to poison ivy which is a lot of the subtext um in that relationship and i like them actually kind of going to it more into a video game although the harley quinn series on hbo max is yeah. the best in my opinion which is a uh, fucking that's it's an awesome so series. good it so is good. Oh my god. And I, how you I have make- a question for you guys. Who is your favorite Batman villain? <laughs> and why? And why? Better ask Poe first cuz I got to think of one cuz I don't know all of them. <laughs> I mean you, you don't have to know all of them, just the one that you relate to the most or that you like the most or that you you dig the most cuz everybody always says the Joker, but like that's because that's the one that most people know yeah. and it depends on like the incarnation, you know, but there's some really really good ones out there. 
No, I was just going to say the only one I can really think of that I relate to the most is uh, The Red Hood. I've watched, so the one that I watched and really got me hooked into the Batman universe, the cartoon side, was Under the Red Hood. It's where Jason Todd assumes the old identity of Joker in this universe. Like, The Red Hood was Joker, a gentleman stealer, and then, he, you know, they have the one bad day where Joker becomes Joker and uh, Batman does more Batman stuff. And, like, um, but Jason Todd, like, assumes his identity and becomes, like, the gang leader. Like, I don't know, something about him. He, like, fights Batman on his level, and then everyone else shows up, uh, and they're like, well, you need help? He's like, I don't need help. And then (laughs) he needs help. I don't know. Jason Todd as the Red Hood is probably the villain I connect with the most. He's just the most interesting to me, anyway. I need to watch more Batman stuff. <laughs> I get that. I get that a lot. So if you like Jason Todd, I highly recommend you check out the Titans series on HBO mm. Max. They gave him a pretty cool storyline in that show. It was really good. Oh, um, and the guy that they picked to play him was really a perfect choice for Jason Todd. He kind of killed it. I'm not going to lie. It was really good. Um, and then there was uh, the guy, I can't ever remember his name, who plays Batman in the Titans series. Uh, he was Jorah from game of thrones khaleesi's like dude that was all in love with her but not okay. like able to be with her but he's oh, like int- best friend i can't wow so he plays batman that's weird and he's really good like really good he was an excellent choice yeah. like you wouldn't expect it i was blown away when yeah. i saw it but Thinking it was about so Jorah, if you like, like jason todd i highly recommend the series jorah mormon i mean i could say joker uh, yeah yeah totally <laughs> um as far as villains so Pope, go, who's I- your favorite villain I have to actually, I have to pick two. I've been sitting here thinking furiously. Um, I think, first of all, I should clarify that I think Batman has the coolest villains in comics, period. Um, oh. Like, I, I I recently went through and played the Spider-Man games, and uh, I love them. They're great games. They're heavily influenced by the Arkham games. They're just wonderful games. They're absolutely great, but, man, Spider-Man's fucking villains are so corny. <laughs> Rhino, Vulture, Scorpion, Doctor Fucking Octopus. Why are they all animals? Anyway, that's besides. He's a spider. He's an animal too. Well, I mean, Kingpin isn't. You know what I mean? Kingpin's Mm. just a big, gigantic guy who with a bad attitude. You know what I mean? So like, it's I don't know. Like I feel like Marvel. I feel like everything about Marvel is fucking corny. Okay, they have Captain America (laughs) and Captain Canada. Okay, well, Captain Canada, that I'm sure he's pretty polite. Now anyway, it's just like the Miss Universe pageant. Yeah, I, I, I'm just, I can't, I can't. I girl can't power. Move. So, that, that girl uh, power but move. with that said, I have to, I have to pick two, and so my first one would be Scarecrow. Um, and uh, besides the Joker, because the Joker is just kind of like obvious first place, yeah. but besides the Joker, um, Scarecrow, and the reason is because, um, the reason is because he. He is just fear is such an interesting emotion and like the the effect that it causes on us on our psyches and um I just I don't know I love like his whole vibe like I love like his whole like thing of like causing fear and then I love the fact that he's a goddamn hypocrite in the moment he himself fears it he like has a meltdown in pretty much every media out there um i i adore him and i'm playing through arkham asylum again right now i actually started it like maybe a month ago i have limited time to play video games but i just hit the first scarecrow scene in that game and it's so fucking creepy like it's just like scarecrow does creepy so well and i love it i'm a fan of horror and i love him scarecrow's wonderful then the second one is actually poison ivy 
uh, Pamela Isley. Um, she's just, she's a phenomenal, interesting, you know, like Earth Day, love the plants. I, I love that vibe. I love her vibe with Harley Quinn, whether it's explicitly stated or not. Um, it's different throughout all the media. Um, I love her power. I think it's interesting, um, the power to, like, control plants and to, you know, get the participation of plants. Um, I just, I think she's great, and I think her story is great, and I just, I just love her. Um, so, uh, those two, yeah, Jonathan Crane, Scarecrow, and Poison mm -hmm. Ivy would be my, would be my votes. Although, Two-Face is a strong contender as well. I think Two-Face reflects something about a lot, all of us, really. Um, you know, that we have our, we have our angels and demons. And so to make that physical was actually a stroke of genius on the part of, uh, the creators of Two-Face. So respect to them. Good question. I agree with that. I mean, I would say my favorite thing with Scarecrow specifically that you kind of mentioned is that like the fear toxin, right? It is different for everybody. So it takes your darkest fears and manipulates you in a specific way. It's not generalized where like poison ivy can kiss you and no matter what, if she wants you to fall in love with her and do her bidding, you are going to. And the scarecrow's fear toxin actually utilizes your own subconscious against you. And I think there's a certain level of twisted evil that kind of makes that scarier as a villain compared to other like characters um in general you know the joker like has this ability to get into batman's mind per se but not necessarily that that's a targeted relationship right the scarecrow can do what he does to anybody um just because of the fear toxin which makes him i think a little bit more of a violent character um and personally invasive and stuff too so that's a really good answer i like that I was just going to say, if you think about it, the Joker, when he's not dealing with Batman, he just uses brute force. Like, mm -hmm. he brute forces everything that he Absolutely. does. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so, I, I mean, it never Absolutely. occurred to me. But, but what were we going to say? Uh, I was going to say, what did you guys think of Colin Farrell? So, I, if I saw the Penguin, Colin Farrell, on the street in his, like, larger bodied suit yeah. and stuff, I never would have known. And I have, like, no. a personal... Yeah uncomfort because like my ex-husband's a dead ringer for colin farrell and so i don't watch colin farrell movies because like he makes me uncomfortable to see personally like as a person and i think he's a good actor he's kind of douchey but like he's an okay actor there's a couple of movies that he was all right in that being said i would have not known it was him if i didn't know it was him so i thought he did an excellent job and was probably the funniest character in the whole movie i didn't know until you told me and i had to google it to make sure yeah <laughs> I had no idea. You yeah. didn't even believe me. I see I how it is. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't calling you a liar. Like, you know, I just, I had to check myself. He was phenomenal and he was oh, yeah. hilarious. Am I the only one in here that knows any, any Spanish? Like, dude, dude, have me. Yeah, yeah. Dude, have me dying. dying. He is awesome. He did a great job. He did a great and, so I will say on the reverse side of what you just asked, I think Penguin is honestly, you guys might disagree, and that's fine. I think he's honestly one of the least interesting villains in the in the rogues gallery. Like, okay. you got to have somebody kill her, kill her, kill her. You got to have somebody kill her play him because he's just so freaking lame. 
Like, he might as well, well be a Spider-Man villain. What to live up to with Danny DeVito, like, as the previous, like, incarnation of Penguin that most people know? Like, that was a really hard sort of performance to talk, because Danny DeVito, like, took that shit to heart, man. Like, I felt sorry for the Penguin in those in that movie. And in this one, like, we see him more as his own kind of little mob boss, and he's got his own little faction of business and stuff like that. Um, and otherwise, the only thing I could even think of Penguin-wise was the Gotham series, you know, where we saw a very different side of the Penguin, and he was more just constantly getting his ass kicked by everybody. Um, Colin Farrell did an interesting job of, like, kind of playing a different sort of perspective of it, I thought. I liked that they called him Oz. Yeah. Because uh, his name's Oswald Cobblepot, and I liked that they called him Oz. I thought that was cool. Uh, so uh, let me ask y'all that. For so, sure. uh, so what is your? So we talked about our favorite villains mm-hmm. in the in. The, what is your least favorite? Mine's paying one. In the in the movie or like least favorite in least favorite just of... in general in in general. I'm sorry, Nick. <laughs> I don't know. Probably, and it's really an unpopular like opinion, but I don't really like Killer Croc. He's not my favorite villain. Okay. Oh well. I mean, he's another animal-based one. I th- I'm beginning to see a theme here. <laughs> and to be honest, I don't have a reason. Like, I don't have a reason for it. I'm just not a fan. Like, not I, fan I don't really... It doesn't resonate for me at all, which is cool, I guess. I don't know. Dude, Killer Croc got me earlier when I was playing Arkham Asylum. Today. Earlier today. I, you mm. walk up to a door, you probably... That could have yeah, something yeah. to do with it, if I'm being he, honest. He like, he, like, seriously, he walks up to the door, and he's like, I will find you, Batman. And I will eat your bones. And it's like kind of like a jump scare. And then he like backs off. And I'm like, I'm going to have to fight him later. <laughs> Nick, I'm going to help you. Your least favorite villain is Man Bat. Theme I was going to say Solomon Thank Grundy. Hey! Is Solomon Grundy guy? I really liked Man <laughs> Bat. Is. The animated movie Man Bat where uh, Michael C. Hall played Man Bat. I thought that was great. It was actually a really well done movie. I was just trying to keep it within the the animal theme. Nah. But, um. Yeah, Man Bat's fine. Um. But yeah, Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday, married on a Tuesday. Uh, fucking. I don't know. I've seen him know. in like one or two things. There's also that gorilla. I don't know. <laughs> I'm well, the gorilla's a... kind of more of a Justice League. Uh, oh, more of a okay, Justice okay, League villain, okay. I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Need to watch um, those so Jason wanted to comment. He's over here and he thinks that Killer Croc would be really good if they keep with the horror motif, which I can't disagree uh, with. If they actually keep with the kind of idea of horror and, and stuff like that, Killer Croc versus Batman would be a, a good movie. So I suppose that I would be willing to give it a chance mm-hmm. just for the creature feature style kind of potential for it. That that has um, you know, like I said, it has potential. It has some possibilities and range, but it would really depend on who played Killer Croc at that point, too. It's going to yeah. be Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah. It always is. The thing that made aliens so, the things that the thing that made aliens so scary was that they never even showed the monster till the very end. I guess that's true. So. Jason wanted to say it's like if they do the aliens reveal, like we were talking about uh, kind of with King Paimon, if they never show the monster till the very end and they you don't actually see it and it's just this entity, like if it, it would depend on how they wrote it, play it. But I suppose that for some that has some possibilities. I, don't know. I, I, I would agree. That's like my biggest fear is that once they run out of realistic characters, they're going to go to these characters that are mutated or 
have special powers or have insanely cool weapons and then it's not going to be realistic anymore like it's to me this is the most grounded batman that i've seen and i'm scared that when superpowers come in i'm going to be like mm, not so sure about this batman anymore so have either of you guys seen brightburn yet no Nah. So that was a, a movie that James Gunn did where it was um, kid Superman, right? But he wasn't Superman, but it's this kid that has Superman powers, but they totally turn it into a horror movie where this kid starts going through town and like hurting people and doing bad things. Like, but it's got the exact same Superman backstory where he's like an alien in a ship and his parents find him and raise him and stuff like that. And I really really liked it james gunn did such an excellent job um portraying it and so i want to see more of that like we take these backstories and actually turn them into what would happen if it goes wrong so to speak or if this kid actually has this malevolent plan or, or whatever um and i think i'm really interested in seeing comic book movies take that turn like as opposed to them being our heroes like what happens when they're our nemesis um and without like it being the same classic yeah kind of but we're not where it's like a twist of fate um yeah. later on like where he's already an established superman you know so because injustice like the joker did some fucked up shit yeah that was really sad <laughs> and poor superman went crazy and that was not good but we already have an established backstory there like I'd, I'd be interested to see other characters um taken out of the superhero dc comic context and how they could be portrayed differently like i highly recommend you watch brightburn it was so well done and some of the effects were just super good i don't want to give you too many spoilers but there are some parts that like literally physically kind of made me sick and uncomfortable to watch for a second like it was that graphic sorry i didn't mean to segue there we were just kind of talking about the ideas and like i just yeah i think that it's important yeah, no, to note yeah. that there's a lot of horror options in comic book movies that i think that we have the potential to be seeing more and more of in the near future as people take liberties and that was one of the things that really made this batman sort of resonate was that it was more human it was more relatable because he wasn't focused on the bruce wayne side of his persona um, we actually just got to see sort of this dark raw mental health like unstable sort of batman um still coping with what coming into adulthood is and stuff like that what did you guys think of falcone the guy who played him is so charming john Turturro. like he's just like he's just like the kind of guy like you just watch him and you just automatically like him like maybe it's just me i don't know why but like i just like automatically liked him like i was just like i don't even know who this guy's playing right now i just know that i like him as a human um as a person and then um but as far as his character arc and everything like that um i do think it was a little predictable like that he was basically toying with bruce wayne a little bit and um that was uh that was a little rude you know what i mean and then uh the whole thing about catwoman and everything and them being related and stuff i don't know i i was okay with it i didn't hate it um I mean, die? it's directly out of the comics, so that's one of the things I liked about it, actually, because that comes out of uh, the long Halloween where Selena is Falcone's daughter, actually. I've read it, I but I didn't remember that part, so <laughs> kudos to you. Sure, I didn't either when I was watching the movie and I straight jaw dropped and was like, what? In the middle of the theater, I'm not going to lie, I was very loud. 
Um, but as a result, like I had to think about it. And that was one of the things I really liked about this movie was that they pulled shit straight out of the comics to some degree, maybe not all of the same comics necessarily, but it definitely had a lot of, um, uh, true to the comic, uh, stories that weren't just directly about Bruce Wayne either, which was really cool. Definitely. I, and I, I just kept thinking, uh, every time we saw Falcone, I was like, very, very sneaky. <laughs> very, very sneaky. Um, all day, all night. Um, yeah, I mean, and and going back to Catwoman, I just, I don't know, like, I, I can't give enough credit to her for just, like, killing that mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not hating on previous Catwomen. Like, I mean, Anne Hathaway was wonderful. Michelle Pfeiffer, iconic. Um, Halle Berry was Catwoman at one point. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the big thing is, is I think that it was really cool to see Zoe Kravitz actually get to because she was in contention against Hathaway at one point, and um, she was told she was too urban to play Catwoman. Uh, for and Anne Hathaway's Catwoman with Christian Bale, she was told she was too urban to play Catwoman when she tried for it. So to actually get to see her get it, I think was really cool. Um, because I think she's probably my favorite Catwoman. Like no discredit to michelle pfeiffer or hathaway or halle berry or any of the numerous animated ones but i do believe that like zoe kravitz is my cat woman like in fantasy football she's who i'd pick i gotta go animated series animated series cat woman was just so awesome and by extension the arkham one from the games mm. who was like heavily based on that sure, so, like, sure. I, I i just i gotta go i gotta go with that um i do like zoe kravitz is that lenny kravitz's daughter yeah it is wow and then she's Jason Momoa's stepdaughter, actually, too. What a talented family. What a talented family. Rock on right? Kravitz's and Momoa's and all of y'all. Rock on. What, how, how, did, now I got, like, are you going to go my way stuck in my head? Okay. Um, <laughs> that guitar line is... <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's... um. So, I guess it's about time to start wrapping it up uh, for this one. Now, I do want to say uh, to everybody listening that... We barely really even scratched the surface. Um, and so uh, we're actually going to, uh, over time, sprinkle in, we're going to do more Batman stuff and kind of delve more into that because there's like a lot of stuff we didn't even get into, like the Arkham Asylum comic, which is a flat out horror comic. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's Well, scary. and the fact that they're portraying Martha Wayne as an Arkham, like, I don't think that that's canon originally. And so that brings a whole lot into question to like what that looks like for Batman's history in this particular incarnation. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I can't. I can't answer that. So um, maybe I'll have to look that up because I don't think she was originally an Arkham because like then like with the, we have the Lady Arkham arc in canon too, and I, yeah, there's a lot of overlap there. So um, see, there's or, a lot to talk about. Like yeah. you were saying. Or like even like something like the Flashpoint Paradox, which had heavy horror elements. Oh. Um, it's it's just absolutely. Uh, there's so much to it. So we are going to we're going to come back to our uh, our our good friend, the Dark Knight, the Cape Crusader, um, and uh, this is kind of just the introductory episode to that. And um, so overall, let me ask you guys this: the last question of the night. Let me ask you. Dark Knight or this one? Okay, Dark Knight or this one? There's, like, really, the other Batman movies are great, but really they don't count. Dark Knight or this one? Mm. Okay, so it's really hard for me. Um, 
this is a great movie and it it has its horror elements especially in the grounded like realism you know where it's like batman could have just been as fucked as the rest of us but i was in a very dark place in my life when the dark knight came out and i was pregnant with my oldest kid and my ex-husband was watching that movie like 10 times a day and so like i have pieces of the dark knight that have like bonded to my dna and that movie, like, really, it just strikes a chord for me. It was darker. The Joker was this completely scary entity for me. Um, like, living with that kind of psychosis in real life, I don't know. It's really, really hard to pick. Because for me, The Dark Knight represents a whole lot of, of history and personal investment. Um, it really struck me as scarier because of how much of an influence it had on people in reality, I know people, I literally know people who cut their mouths, like the sides of their faces, to look like the Joker after that movie came out. Um, yeah, I don't Glasgow see smile. Pattinson's, yeah, I don't see Pattinson's Batman having that same effect. I don't see the Riddler having that same effect on society where it, I, I, I am concerned about how it's going to affect people psychologically like the dark knight did um but i do think that it has enough elements in it to be considered a horror movie and it absolutely deserves to be taken into that uh, sort of genre um and stuff like that but i just don't think it's got the same impact that the dark knight had and maybe that's just me because of my personal connection to it but um i just don't see on a grand scale it being as impactful well at the end of the day i mean if we're being real here when you're talking about media, um, on a subjective level, is there any impact that matters more than the personal impact? I mean, I think that that's, you know, I mean, objectively speaking, Jurassic Park is sure. not even anywhere near the greatest movie in history, but it's my favorite movie in history because mm. of subjectiveness. So 100% definitely. I actually just watched that with my daughter the other day for the first time. She was all big eyed. It was great. The <laughs> I I wish I could erase my memory and go back and watch it again for mm. the first time. It's so awesome. Uh, okay, so Dark Knight or <laughs> this one, Nick? Well, see, when I was a child, the Dark Knight came out. Um, came out two thousand eight, right? The Dark Knight was two thousand eight. I was not sure. really a teenager yes. yet. I was like twelve, maybe. When was I in two thousand eight? He was, was not a girl, not yet a woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait so wait, that's an adorable song it was like 14 years ago i was 12 yeah so and i wasn't a batman fan growing up i was more of a spider-man kid not gonna lie i had the spider-man games the gba games wanted to always be spider-man so i was a marvel kid growing up and i've always been a marvel guy uh that's why i like moon knight more even though moon knight is literally batman <laughs> just with crescents instead of bats um so and I did hear about I did hear about the the theater um, incident in Colorado, but I'm here in Georgia, so for me, and this is nothing to be rude. It didn't have as much of an impact on me, and I wasn't going through anything at the time. Um, right now, for me, I am going through a stage of my life where I am. I finally found out who I am, um, at least career wise, what I am and what I want to do, what I will do, and uh, what I have plans for for the future. And I think that all those things that are, um, like right now, everything I watch right now is sticking with me for the rest of my life. I'm at that stage in my life now. At the time of recording, I'm 26 years old, not to date myself, but um, 
I'm 26 years old. I'm around the age of this Batman. He's definitely not 30 yet. He's at least 29. So for me, I resonate (laughs) resonate more with this Batman just because I'm in the early stages of my career as a firefighter. I failed the PAT, but I'm going to go back and do it over and over again. Um, I'm a young voice actor. I voice act in uh, Machinima and some animations and you know i'm young in the podcast game this is number two uh it's actually really i don't know i don't really do lore cast anymore but i'm still young at it i've only been doing it for a few years really it, not even if we add up all the time probably not even a full two years so for me i i i connect more with this with this batman just because of the stage of life that i'm in right now because i was just a child whenever uh uh, Dark Knight came out. I want to. I actually want to point something out real quick, um, and that is that uh, this is podcast number two for you. This is podcast number two for me. The first one was Beetlecast. This is arguably podcast number two for Elizabeth because we started working on Dead Air before mm-hmm. uh, she became a cast member here. And you know what that means? I it means still it's number this two for one. all of us, which means it's the shit. <laughs> 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 that was a long setup for a stupid joke. Um, I I want to. Nobody I wanna, was worth it. <laughs> I want to say uh, you're too kind. Uh, I want to I want to say that um, I I I'm I uh, talked to my mom actually about this earlier um, because she uh, I was telling her she should watch the movie, and um, the fact is is I think that I'm gonna get fucking crucified for this. For um, I think that if uh, Heath Ledger wouldn't have been in The Dark Knight. I think it would have been an incredibly boring movie. Um, Christian Bell, he was a he was a decent Batman. He was a decent Bruce Wayne, um, but I don't think The Dark Knight is the movie people make it out to be. Like cut out cut out Joker, and you just cut out Heath Ledger, and you just you have a lot of pontificating about philo- philosophical stuff that's not even that interesting. Um, uh, and I say this despite the fact I was I was watching Attack on Titan the other night, and I, I quoted it. Uh, not to spoil Attack on Titan, but I quoted the live long enough to see yourself become the villain thing, talking about Aaron. And uh, so there you go, spoilers. So um, with that said, um, this one I think is objectively better than The Dark Knight if you exempt Heath Ledger. If you don't exempt Heath Ledger, um, then The Dark Knight wins it because that, I mean, he just was, that was a once in a fucking lifetime performance that he did. Um, Quite literally, actually, although that's not where I was going with it, but I mean, it is true. Um, So if you like the darker darker side of Heath Ledger, you should check out the movie Candy. That really Hmm. shows a whole darker side of his uh, range as an actor. He plays a heroin junkie. And um, it was a, a really, really well done movie, but it was dark and like you see a whole different side. And you, that movie, plus his portrayal of the Joker, you really see um, rest in peace, Heath Ledger, like where his psychosis had really taken a turn, like in his career and in his abilities and stuff like that. And what he was doing with his life, because he was going through drug addiction and he was really depressed and there was psychosis that he was dealing with and stuff. So um, I think you're right in that Heath Ledger was a sort of once in a lifetime performance that I don't think anyone else would have been able to contribute to that movie, which made it scarier. Absolutely. And um, yeah, and Heath Ledger was just fabulous in general. 
I mean, uh, what's that one movie? Uh, Dr. Parnassus? Was that it? Like the Isle of The Dogs? Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Yeah, that one. So he that died while filming awesome. that movie. And uh, he did. To make up and be able to finish the movie, Jude Law, Johnny Depp, and um, Colin Farrell actually all replaced him. And they rewrote the script so that they could finish it with them playing his role kind of as his friends in homage to him passing, which was really cool. It's a great movie for anybody who hasn't seen it. It's definitely well worth watching. Um, so, but objectively, outside of Heath Ledger, I, I don't know. The only really beef I have with the new one is I think it's too long. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, they they pack it in. Um, statistically, it has the most Batman as opposed to Bruce Wayne in the history of Batman movies. Um, either really? Twist- yes. I don't even think it's close. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. He I mean he spends most of the movie as Batman and it's three hours long. So and there's yeah. not a lot of cutting away from him. So um one hundred percent. But I don't know. I think over time, after I've had time for the newness to wear off and like kind of mellow out a little bit, I'm curious to see kind of where I'll be. But I'm just not the biggest fan of the Dark Knight in the first place. Um, just because I really perceive it as a really dull movie outside of Heath Ledger. Um, and I also think Gary Oldman as Commissioner Gordon was fabulous, but like, those are like individual disparate elements, you know what I mean? As a whole, um, I think that this one's probably better. Um, with that said, Nick, you need to watch Batman Begins. Yeah, I know. Yeah, honestly, it was really good. Out of all the ones. I thought it was cool. Um, I didn't know that the kid... I didn't know that the kid who played Joffrey in Game of Thrones played Gordon's son until yes. years after the movie had come out. And like, I went back to watch it and I was like, oh shit. Like, I thought that was really cool. Cause like, you haven't seen that kid in like anything else but Game of Thrones. So I thought it was really interesting. Like that he actually had other bodies of work before that. I think he retired. That were so notoriable. Um, but, um, so with that said, uh, so, guys, um, I think we all agree that if you haven't gone and seen The Batman yet, um, it's on HBO Max right now, and it'll probably mm-hmm. be out on Blu-ray pretty soon, or DVD or whatever else, VHS, um, Laserdisc, <laughs> whatever it is that you watch on. Um, and so, reel to reel, maybe. So, if... <laughs> so It's an 8 millimeter. <laughs> the yeah. teacher rolls out the video card and <laughs> the Batman comes on. Yeah, you got to. Make sure you flip it at the right time. Um... So with that said, um, so what we're seeing, you should go see it um, and enjoy it. And uh, just when you're watching it, do remember that it's early Batman. It's year two. Um, it takes really heavily from actually year one, um, the story from year one and like the kind of execution of year one. But it is year two. And actually year two, as it was in the comics, it is not based on the year two. But it's actually the second year of him being Batman. It's a little confusing. I think year two isn't canon anymore. Um but with that said, um, it's a great movie. Go watch it. Go enjoy it. Uh, do you guys have any last remaining notes for our awesome listeners who stuck with us this long in this podcast? If anybody knows where the contacts came from, like, because he doesn't have Fox yet, and it was literally the only thing in the entire movie that really, like, put me off was, like, where did the contacts that he gives Selena when she goes into the club Mm, come from? And then the other thing that was kind of rough was, like, the effect that the Batsuit could take 50 cal to the chest, and he was fine, right? Like, so he doesn't show all of the rest of this technological stuff he's this really rough um naive sort of batman with who's just 
you know, pulling things out of his ass. But now all of a sudden there's these like two like really technologically advanced sort of things that they never answer. Like he doesn't have the the Wayne tech department. He doesn't have Fox. So where are these things coming from? So if anybody has the answer to that, oh, I got leave the it in the comments because right I want to know. <laughs> I got the answer right now. Samsung. Did you Google it? <laughs> Samsung. It was tested. Them. They had <laughs> this guy. They No, they, t they took a wall and they actually tested the guns against it. And then they took 3D prints of the things to make sure <laughs> – that um, I I mean I said that to Tatiana while we were watching the movie. I was like, this dude just seriously took a double barrel straight to the chest. Like he should be deader than dead right now. But of course he's just kind of stunned. You know what I mean? He's like, mm, you know. Well, and then like the explosion when the district attorney blows up and like he's not even got any burns on his face. Nothing. His face? Like there were a couple of things in the movie that I kind of called bullshit on. Yeah. And, and like seriously and. What was the shit that he stabbed into his leg at the end? Okay, was it venom? Was it adrenaline? Was yeah, it monster yeah. energy drink? Right. Was it horny goat weed? Like, what was it? Like, I need to know, man. Um, Spanish fly. <laughs> yeah. Was it? You know, maybe it was Jamba Juice. He had to stop you know? by Spencer's He's on like, the way out. You know. Smoothie King. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, you know, because they got the green, they got the like the green machine type stuff. You know what I mean? Just like, so I don't, I don't. Sure. Know. Well, so I actually, the venom thing was my first inclination when we were in the theater too. That was the first thing that came to mind. But I would assume it was adrenaline. But I would like to know, like ultimately too, because that was interesting. They didn't really give any side of that part of batman bruce wayne like what were his resources exactly so because he wasn't playing into the bruce wayne side of his persona at that point that's actually really fair because mm. if you think about it in like the dark knight and the dark knight rises uh they actually had lucius fox like um as you as you kind of pointed out earlier they had him explain like this is carbon fiber that has been underlaid with like they actually gave the specs on what it was and it was obviously still fantasy and still kind of a little bit hand wavy, like a little sketchy science. But it at least was an explanation of some sort. Um, this one didn't. This one was just like he can take, he can go through explosions and not get hurt. He can yeah. inject adrenaline straight into himself, and he can take a double barrel to the chest and not die. He's the Batman. That's why, because he's Batman. <laughs> End of story. He's Batman. He's got Batman. an all electric, so, all electric Batmobile <laughs> that looks like a muscle car. <laughs> that well the the batmobile was actually a tribute to earlier batman movies like the michael good. keaton one um that was a in, the, in the animated series mm. yeah it was a tribute so um with that said do you guys the uh, lego batmobile set for this movie is really good you should check it out if you're into lego i highly recommend it Oof. if it doesn't catch on fire and launch across the room i i have no i don't know it plays just, the best music well, ever i guess that's oh fair <laughs> fire fire um so, uh, all right, so we're going to wrap this up. We'll, we'll pick it back up in, an, in a future episode after we talk about some other spooky things. Um, but before we do that, you guys got any shout-outs? Got any love to show to anybody in your life? What's up? Okay. No, okay. I don't like anybody. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I hate everybody. <laughs> I'm vengeance. I'm night. Okay, uh, I guess I can give a shout-out. Shout-out to my cat for... Uh, making it through the week honestly um when we were was it right before we recorded or we had like just started uh our previous episode and my cat was like not walking around 
it was pretty scary. We didn't know like what was going on. She has an autoimmune disorder, and she licks herself open, um, and something got like in her, and she could not walk. Like her neurons were just not firing. Uh, she couldn't walk. Couldn't even go to the bathroom. Uh, so we'd like put her in there. Um, but now she is walking again. She is. Um, she's she's purring but it's way deeper now i was telling pope before it's like a way deeper purr now um so yeah uh she's only three years old that was that was the scariest part she's only three so uh if i sounded oh, slightly upset in the last episode that's what was going on <laughs> but she's good now well i'm glad that she's doing better that sounds really scary yeah. and i've been through that oh, with yeah, dog was, before so i know that it's it really rough man horrendous my wife and i crying over the cat for hours on end my goodness but she pulled through oh poor baby now i'm all sad i'm oh. glad she's better though That's cool. no she's good now she's good now <laughs> all right that's the only shout out um, i got well so shout out to my partner jason for having like awesome tips that he's sitting here trying to show me on the phone like don't forget about this part because that's very helpful <laughs> when there's stuff i want to remember and can't remember because i have broken brain um and he is like I'm a big Batman man nerd and he is like this huge comic book nerd. So he's always like giving me all the insight on what's going on in the new movies and the new animated films and stuff like that. Um, and so a big shout out to Jason for being a badass and I love him as always. Very nice. My shout out tonight actually is a little bit different from my normal shout outs. Um, the lead singer of Typo Negative, Peter Steele. Um, we just, I believe, got past the anniversary of his death or maybe it was his birthday it's one of the two it happened in april and uh typo negative is uh one of my biggest musical influences they're a band that i absolutely love and peter still the lead singer who died of heart failure in 2009 um he just he can't be replaced like he he's just he was fabulous in every single way humanly possible and so shout out to peter Steele and to all the fans of typo negative out there who share the pain every time we see him pop up on our Facebook timeline. Um, he is missed. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we all have those musicians and those kind of media personalities that mean a lot to us. And when they die, it sucks. Um, also, rest in peace to Gilbert Godfrey, who died um, recently. Yeah, uh, totally. I do you know I was scared of him, like, as a little kid, because his voice was just so, like, like he, I was legit terrified of Gilbert Godfrey as a kid the only way i could deal with it was as iago like in the aladdin tv series it's it's interesting because he like apparently like as a like human that like was like a walking talking just guy was apparently very nice very mild-mannered very quiet um but uh i can see that he's definitely got a create his voice is it's just so fucking unique like that's just like uh on on the note of Gilbert Gottfried, uh, if you've never watched the Angry Video Game Nerd episode where he plays Fred Fox, uh, it's well worth seeing. Um, he was he was just absolutely wonderful. So rest in peace, Gilbert. Rest in peace, Peter. Um, you know, legends never die. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, they say that you die twice when when you when you're buried and when you uh the last time somebody speaks your name and so uh both those gentlemen and other people who died i feel like we uh will be speaking their names for a long time to come so we're gonna put off that second one for a while uh with that 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Macabre Masters. Nick actually was supposed to do the outro, so I'm going to let him oh. do it. <laughs> thank you all for listening to this episode of Macabre Masters. If you would like to, uh, actually you're going to, go to apple.com, Apple Podcasts. <laughs> I use apple Spotify. Podcasts. Go to Apple Podcasts and uh, give us a five star and how much uh, you like Batman. Tell us how much you like Batman, along with the five stars. Uh Hit us up on Patreon to see me shirtless. We don't have a Patreon yet, but that's that's number one. <laughs> um, yeah, stay beautiful. Uh, be prepared for the next episode. We don't we haven't discussed it yet, so just be on the lookout for that. Thank you so much for watching, and have a great night or day or whatever whatever time you're listening to this. Bye. Bye. Go forth and be vengeance. Bye.